Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Hi everybody, Dr. Sam here. So today we're gonna tie things together and uh, also I'm gonna take your questions. We've got a lot of questions, so make sure I'll get those covered. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to start off where we left off at our last aromatherapy session. And by the way, people were asking a lot of questions that I want to discuss in terms of, you know, things in the, in the field of energy healing and vibration. And so <clears throat> why don't I start there? For some of you, this is probably a new subject. For others, you have some experience. And there are probably a few of you that have been involved in the field of vibrational medicine or energy healing for a long time. So there's a, there's a big range. And my advice would be that for you, if you are interested, there's a really good book that might be a great introduction for you. And the book is titled Power Versus Force. Has anybody ever heard of it? You can uh, let me know on the chat. This was written by a psychiatrist named David Hawkins. And David Hawkins uh, had a very interesting career. He started off in New York City, and he evolved where eventually he um, moved to Sedona, Arizona, where um, he, um, he developed a center and he did a lot of teaching. And it was in the area of vibrational healing and vibration as it related to words, to language. And he has a whole um, system where there's a, a chart and Certain words create a certain vibration, and other words create a higher vibration. So, for example, you can think of the word fear, that is the lower vibrational state. If you think of the word gratitude, this is a higher vibrational state. And through kinesiology, that's measuring the energy of the body with muscle testing, he was able to come up with a whole system of being able to me measure all these different words. And for somebody that's just starting out, you know, he's a physician, he's an MD, and he takes you th through a, a journey where you really start to understand how everything 
has a certain frequency. And how to measure things, well, there are a variety of different ways that one can measure. You can use things like uh, dowsing. You can use pendulums. You can use, um, as I say, muscle testing. Or you can use instrumentation, and there's a variety of different ways to do that. There's a, there's a product out there called a BioWell, and it's similar to the GDV camera that I use for measuring energy. That could be something you could check into. There are things like the Rife machine, R-I-F-E. That's pretty famous. There's a body of work called radionics. So you could Google radionics and learn about how frequency works. You could take a class, say in Reiki. So that's a, a body-centered therapy where you use your hands and you learn how to open up the energy in yourself and others. Now, maybe someday I'll teach a, a class on vibrational healing and energy medicine. That, that is a possibility. Certainly aromatherapy and herbs, they have a certain frequency signature. And you can use your pendulum to measure the energy of the essential oil you're using if you want to. Now, you, you will get to a point where instead of having to measure the energy, that you just get an intuitive feeling, I need this oil, I need that oil. But, you know, all the oils vibrate at at least 115 megahertz or higher. You know, when you think of a oil like rose oil, that's pretty universal. That That is going to help you on so many levels. But... I want to caution you about being in a, an X treats Y. I've got this condition, so I take that. That's not the way vibrational healing works. And as you get more into vibrational medicine, you start to realize there's actually an alchemical process of being able to mix things together. and come up with a solution or a result that surpasses what the problem was. And I've been illustrating my own al alchemical abilities for a long time. And even though I'm labeled and as a optometrist, eye doctor, whatever, you may start discovering that I do a lot more than just, you know, the eyes. And in alchemy, you can actually change a lot of things that maybe you didn't know you could change. I would put color therapy in that category as well. You know, people are asking me, how do I use the color? What do I do? Basically, the color therapy is, it's an immersion in introducing your eyes and your brain and your body to 
frequencies in the visible spectrum that are going to bring you more balance and harmony. And so, you know, one way to do it is the rainbow. You know, you start with the red color, you put it on for, say, two minutes, you look through it. Some safe questions to ask would be, what do I see and what do I feel? And just be with what meet, what is whatever comes into your awareness. And after you're done with that two minutes, you put the red down and then you put on the orange glasses. <clears throat> and you ask the same question, what do I see? What do I feel? And you're gonna go through all the colors of the spectrum, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, depending on you know how many pairs of glasses you have. And my advice would be to do it every day, do it for 30 days, make it a practice for you and keep a journal, keep a notebook of your thoughts, feelings, observations, either before, during and after the color therapy session because it could really open you up, open your consciousness, open your vision, open things up that you don't even know that are possible. Again, it's an alchemical experience and you could combine it by adding some essential oils. You can put on the oils and then you could do the color therapy. Maybe this is something you do in your meditation in the morning or you do in the evening before you go to bed, excuse me, but what you're, what you're thinking about is with the color therapy, it's going to open a door for you that's going to bring more balance and harmony to your eyes. Now that might mean in your case to dissolve the cataract. So we're going to go back to cataract the cataracts conversation in a little bit, but uh, the, the thing about vibrational healing <clears throat> is that many times there's a big surprise on what actually takes place and what happens. If you've never been exposed to energy healing before, seek out a practitioner in your area. So maybe Reiki would be a good place to start, maybe, you know, homeopathy, you could find a homeopath and they, they would take a very extensive history, maybe give you a constitutional. Homeopathy is a fabulous, fabulous vibrational healing modality. So that's kind of my, um, my overall response to the vibrational healing and, you know, when people ask me, well, what's it all about and how do I do it? This is opening something for you to explore. I don't have the answer that I'm not uh, equipped in this class to go deeply into it. But I do think it's an essential part of being in the whole picture that we just can't look at things in a physical way. Okay, so this is what we're gonna do right now. If you 
have with you the Lang Lang essential oil. I'd like you to get it on and get it out. And I'd like you to put a drop or two on your heart area. I just put some on before I came on. If you don't have the essential oils, that's okay. And I'm going to guide you in a short meditation. It's very short, but it's going to be insightful in, well, certain things. So what I'd like you to do right now, <clears throat> whether you have the, the oil and you can put it on, if you have the rose mist, you could put spray it around your eyes. It doesn't matter. If you don't, you're going to be in the field. And what I'd like you to do is close your eyes, get comfortable, and I want you to take three deep breaths, very slow. Okay. <clears throat> you can put the oil on your third eye, you can put it on your heart, you can put it on your throat, wherever you're called to do it. So if you haven't put the oil on, go ahead and do it and then close your eyes. Just focus internally for a minute. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to visualize your favorite flower. Now we've got a lot of flowers out there. It could be a carnation, it could be a rose, it could be a a jasmine blossom. So just whatever the first thing that comes into your brain. And what I want you to do is I want you to just think about that flower in your mind's eye. I want you to picture it. I want you to visualize it. And I want you to connect now to your inner flower, the flower inside of you. Maybe it's this flower, maybe it's not. I want you to take a moment and I want you to connect to your inner flower. Now, how's that inner flower doing? How is your inner flower these days? <clears throat> and ask your inner flower, what do you need? Do you need more water? Do you need more attention? Do you need more food? <clears throat> what is it that is lacking in your inner flower? Well, how's the health of your inner flower? And notice how your inner flower feels emotionally. What you're feeling there? How's the connection? Make a commitment to your inner flower that you're going to give your inner flower a little more attention each day. You're going to acknowledge your inner flower. And then you can slowly, again, take a few deep breaths. <clears throat> you can open your eyes. 
And in the chat, if you wouldn't mind, can you share maybe what flower you saw? And what's the state of your inner flower? Okay, so Gilbert saw a sunflower. Elizabeth, a lotus blossom. Pat, a plumeria. Wow. <clears throat> lotus, white rose, daisy. Awesome. So this is a really nice meditation to do every day. And you can see that some of you have not been attending to your inner flower, your inner beauty, your inner love, taking care of yourself. So I offer it to you as another tool to help you mm, connect more deeply to yourself, your inner love. And again, you can use the rose mist that I recommended. You can use the Lang Lang. You can even use the laurel leaf. Those are all possible oils that you can put on first, which can amplify and help you connect to your inner flower as a meditation. And I would invite you to ask your inner flower, what is what is it need? What does your flower need to thrive? So I really, uh, I really appreciate that. Okay, I'm going to go through these questions. And um, the first question is from Adita. And she's asking about, again, the glasses, the color therapy, how long, two to three minutes in one setting. Vary the setting. You can do it at night. You can do it during the day. You can do it in, in direct light. You don't need LED lights. You actually could even do it in the dark. You could do it sitting out on your porch. So the light source doesn't matter. And so, um, you know, with the LED light, maybe stay away from that. I don't think it's going to harm your vision uh, if that's all the light you have and that's your light source. Uh, but, you know, natural light is the best, but some people I work with are so light sensitive, they actually have to do it with their eyes closed and think of the eyelids like a, a window shade. We still get light into the eyes with the eyelids closed, but much less. So it's a way to uh, control the light, but there's no fast and hard rules that you have to use a certain light source and the one thing I would add is use the patch or use a covering. So one day you're maybe doing the right eye, the next day you're doing the left eye, and then maybe uh, you're doing both eyes a third day. And, you know, if somebody's asking, must you use all 10 pairs of glasses? Absolutely not. You know, you can maybe lay them out and say, well, what colors do I like? What colors would I like to start with? And maybe work with those. And maybe the next day, pick a color that's challenging and work with that one. Wear that one. You know, the colors you don't like, 
mean you have a certain color allergy. You have a certain vibrational allergy that you're deflecting. So the thing is, is that by using both the colors you like and or the colors you don't like, it's going to make you more broadband. Okay. The wider you're able to take in all the colors, the better your vision is going to be. And again, use your intuition if you wish. Uh, this is not, again, obedience school. You must do this. You have to do that. These are just recommendations where if you do the rainbow method and you do it every day and you look at all the colors and learn from your consciousness, your awareness, what is this color showing me? That's the most important thing. Will the color therapy work if you're colorblind? Yes, it will work because you're dealing with frequencies. And even though you might not be able to see them, they're still going to come into your eyes and your body, and you're still going to get touched by the different frequencies. Can you use the MSM drops regularly for a long time, or should they just be used for a limited time to stop progression of cataracts? MSM can be used ongoing. It's a, it's a great proactive ingredient that moisturizes your eyes, lubricates your eyes. It helps support collagen health. And so you can use the MSM ongoing even after the cataracts are gone because it's going to support your eyes to stay, to stay lubricated. That's really the most important thing. Um, next question. Somebody was talking about power versus force. Yes, there are a whole series of books that David Hawkins puts out, but power versus force is, is one book. So that would be the first one to start with. Um, and then if you want to, you can get the series. The Rife Machine, if you know somebody that's using it, definitely you could try it. Again, it's really great at organizing uh, your, your energy. How many minutes for, for the glasses? About two to three minutes. Can you say what is FSM? I don't know what that is. Fre uh, frequency stimulation. Uh, I'm not sure. Can you spell that out, uh, Deborah? See if there's anything else. Okay. So the red light box, the yes, so we're getting questions about the red light. So first of all, with the red light, you need to do it with your eyes closed and you need to sit at least two feet away from the box if you're working on your eyes. Now, in some cases, you can even put a covering over the eyes, if it's too bright, it depends on the light box. You know, the red, the red light 360, the one that I recommended is pretty bright and you don't need to get that close to it. And you're gonna spend about five to seven minutes every day with your face and your eyes and your body directed at the light. You can sit in front of the light, you can lie down on the floor and put the light in a position we have people doing it that way. 
So about two feet away, eyes closed, five to seven minutes. Definitely do it with eyes closed. All right. Mark is talking about, uh, okay, I'll get to that in a minute, Deborah. Um, I have been strongly nearsighted since I was very young, and it is comforting to me that I can always see detail up close. I wore contact lenses for a while, but one reason I didn't like them was that I couldn't see at close distance. If one has cataract surgery, you strongly recommend going with a single focus IOL, but I can't help to feel that my brain will be confused and frustrated with not being able to see at close distance. All right, well, first of all, with the contact lens prescription you received, the reason why you couldn't read up close is because the doctor overcorrected you for distance. And when most eye doctors, what they do is they overcorrect you for distance and then you lose your near vision. And one of the techniques that I learned many years ago was to slightly undercorrect somebody for distance. This is in the nearsighted. And by undercorrecting them, they actually could still read. And I have hundreds, maybe thousands of patients at this point where I've undercorrected them a distance slightly, but they're able to continue to read through the contact lenses. So the mistake was made because the contact lens that was prescribed was too strong for you. That's, that's the problem. Now, if you're going to go for cataract surgery, what you need to tell your doctor is that you want, you want him to give you the prescription that slightly undercorrects you for distance. So you still have a little bit of myopia. How much? Maybe minus a quarter, minus half, minus 75, minus one. I don't think I would do any more than minus one. But the thing is, is that with the uh, undercorrection, then what happens is you are able to continue to read. But if he tries to overcorrect you for distance, you're exactly right. You're going to lose your reading ability. So you have to tell him that you want to be slightly undercorrected in the distance so that you want to be able to read up close. And your brain is going to like that. And I want to caution you about doing the monovision where he corrects one eye for distance and one eye for reading. That is going to confuse your brain. But if you get both eyes corrected for distance, slightly undercorrected, then you're good to go. All right, Deborah is asking a question about frequency-specific microcurrent. This is where they use an electrical stimulation with these uh, small electrical probes in and around your eyes. And my experience with microcurrent is mixed. For some people, getting the microcurrent, getting the electricity into the eyes is what they need. They're not getting enough electrical charge. But I find with most people, because they're on computers and digital devices, the microcurrent actually creates too much electricity. You don't need more of it. So it's not really uh, creating the balance or the results that you're looking for. So in the eyes, we've got the fluid and we've got the electrical. We've got both of those elements going on. And for most people, they have an underdeveloped fluid body and an overdeveloped electric electrical body. 
So the micro stim is just going to give you more of the electricity that you don't need. Whereas what you really need is more hydration in the eyes. That's the thing that's missing. And the microcurrent doesn't address that. So thank you. That's a really good question. Okay. So I know we've been talking about cataracts and we kind of, we got a little bit off. We talked about aromatherapy, color therapy, but I want to circle back to the cataracts because that's what this course is about. And I want to make sure to emphasize certain points. I want to bring in some new ideas and uh, I want to tie it all together because what will you be doing after this class? What, what is your course? What is your call to action? I've given you a lot of information, but what do you do with it? How do you create the result that you're looking for? So that's what this presentation is going to be about. So again, when we talk about reversing cataracts, it's more than just reversing cataracts. It's connecting to the matrix of our healing. So in other words, our bodies are a result of millions and millions and maybe even billions of years of a planetary process of ev evolution. You know, we had to come from somewhere. So we came from the caveman who came from the dinosaur, who came from, if we go back, the, the sea animals and before that, so in other words, there's a lineage here that's very species inclusive. And I know this is a big picture when I'm talking about, but I feel that what's happened in Western medicine is that we have, we have lost the recognition that we get to choose our health. And I said this, I think, at the first class, that it's very easy to go to an authority figure who's got a degree and who's telling you, she, he or she is telling you what to do, and you go, you know, this is not really lining up with my philosophy, with my lifestyle. And we're kind of stuck because the information we're getting is not matching what we really want or need. And if we can find somebody who can give us that information, then we can take it and we can plug into this matrix, this matrix, this make matrix of a multidimensional being that's made up of frequency and vibration and fascia and connective tissue and fluids and, and so much more that this is who we are. We are very multidimensional. So you've heard this story many times. You go to the eye doctor, you go for your yearly exam, and your eye doctor says, well, you've got nearsightedness or you've got farsightedness. And they prescribe a lens based on the choice you make, which, is le which lens is clearer, number one or number two. And you basically have about five to 10 seconds to make a decision on which lens 
is going to be yours. And maybe that day when you went for the exam, you had a fight with your spouse, or maybe one of your children are sick, or maybe you have a dog or a cat who you had to take to the vet, or maybe you're just having a bad day. And so we know that these external environmental things affect our vision, that, that if we're under stress, if we're you know, not all there, our vision is going to be blurrier. So we go in and we're in this dark room and we choose lens number two. It's basically a guess. And we get the prescription and we put it on and we go, wow, this doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. And it may be, I'm, I'm feeling dizzy. I'm feeling nauseous. Um, you know, this is giving me a headache. And you go back to the doctor and you share the story with him. And he says, oh, Jane, don't worry. I did it right. Just get used to it. Get, get used to this nausea. It'll go away. So like a good person, you go, okay. And you start suppressing your sensations, your feelings, your vision, and you force yourself into this lens. And so then what happens is you notice about three minutes later that, well, three, three minutes later, let's say six months later, <laughs> it's three minutes later, you walk out of the office and go, wow. And you know, what's really interesting is I have people that spend thousands of dollars on their glasses and they bring them to the exam for me. And they got a shopping full of glasses that they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars and they can't wear it. But anyways, let's say you, you do force yourself into wearing it. And six months later, you go back and he says, doc, I can't see out of these. I, I, I'm blurry again. And the doctor is in a great situation because he says, oh, let's make it stronger. And so you get the stronger lens. Maybe now you're in a bifocal because now you're losing not only your distance clarity, but you're now having difficulty seeing the, the small print, maybe the print on your phone. And now you're in a bifocal and you're using that. You get that and it's very difficult to, to maneuver, but you get used to it. And then maybe a year or two later, you go back and the doctor says, well, your eyes have gotten even worse. Now we got to put you in a progressive lens. So you've got all these different gradients of the, of the lens. This is even more disconcerting. And you're on the computer a couple hours a day, and you're trying to focus through a small part of the lens that you can actually see clearly in the progressive lens. Another year later, you're turning maybe 50 or 55. The doctor says, oh, you've got the beginnings of cataracts. And we might as well get you in line because there's no question that this cataract is going to ripen five to seven years. And that when it ripens, we're going to have to cut it out. So get ready. So you leave the office and go, wow, I'm programmed now that not only am I in progressive lenses, my eyes keep getting worse every year, but now the doctor says I'm going to need cataract surgery. And they're all different ways the doctor's work. Some of them will 
say, well, let's schedule, schedule you for the surgery now and be proactive with it. Uh, others will say, you know, I'm not really seeing much of a cataract, but you're 60 years old. Let's do it anyway. And so you have all these different experiences. I mean, these are the stories I hear from people. And let's say you started to eat more plant-based. Maybe you started to, you know, explore more antioxidants. You're doing maybe some kind of a fasting. You're involved in a Qigong practice or a yoga practice. Maybe you're getting into some meditation things. And you go, you know, this eye stuff, when I go get treated for my eyes, it doesn't line up for me with who I am and what I'm expressing. And this is, this is kind of where a lot of people sit, especially between the ages of 50 and 70. This is the classic eye exam experience. Somebody said the, the eye exam is like a lie detector. Well, I'll tell you this, the, the eye exam is basically a computerized readout or just a readout on the adaptive responses you're making in your vision to be successful in the environment. So if you're nearsighted, you pull the world in to protect yourself. If you're farsighted, you push the world away. If you twist the world, you've got astigmatism. And if you're in really serious shape, then you start changing the anatomy of the eye, macular issues, cataract issues, glaucoma, dry eye, you know, all these different things start manifesting because there's so much stress that you're putting into your eyes and there's a starvation in the eye tissue. Help, I'm not getting enough, I'm not getting enough nutrients. And if you're wearing the wrong prescription or a prescription that you have to work harder at seeing, that's gonna make things even more challenging for you. All right, let's move on. So I've talked about the eye-brain connection and I beat this drum every day. And with this particular statement, there was a study that was done at the University of Rochester, which stated that they did, they studied, they were studying the brain, they were studying the eyes and their results said that 50% of what we see is in the brain. I would say it's higher. I would say it's 90%. 90% of what we see is in the brain and 10% of seeing is in the eye. And the eye exam that you go to is only exploring that 10%. That's the sad part about it. There's so much vision in the brain that is thrown aside. You're not even evaluating it because it's a glasses check and an eye health check, and that's it. And so I want you to realize that whatever's going on in your eyes, there is a systemic, metabolic, and energetic reason why your eyes are letting you down. And it has very little to do with age. So somebody is asking, do cataracts change the shape of the eye? No. They don't change the shape of the eye. Again, the lens only makes up a very tiny part of the eye. And I'll put an anatomy slide up in a minute. 
Now, another question is, can exercises change the shape of the eye to be more 2020? And the third question is, how would zoster in the eye affect the eye? So let's take that question first. There was a blog that I wrote in a, uh, it's very good, it's called Mind Body Green. And you can um, type in Dr. Byrne Mind Body Green and top, type in Ocular Microbiome. So the good bacteria, we talk about the microbiome in the gut. That's the good bacteria. And it's being assaulted now because mineral levels are low in the soil. We're getting exposed to pesticides. There's a lot of inflammation in the gut. A lot of times the biome or the microbiome is not um, optimal. The eyes have their own good bacteria. So when you have any kind of a fungal bacteria, viral infection, something like an autoimmune situation like shingles or herpes zoster, it is going to wreak havoc on the eyes. And again, you have to look at it from a systemic and metabolic point of view because eye drops by themselves are not really gonna boost the ocular microbiome. The things that you can do to help the eyes, but you gotta bring the body into it. Now, in terms of do exercises change the shape of the eye? Yes and no. There are six muscles that attach to the outer part of the eye that help create the shape of the eye. And if you start doing certain physical therapy exercises, those muscles will start relaxing and it will start to change the shape of your eye. But I've had many, many people who have been very nearsighted or farsighted. And after doing my program, I still measure the same prescription in the eyes but their visual acuity and ability to read the chart goes back to 2020, which tells me that most of our seeing is mental and is in the brain. And how we perceive determines what we see. And it's less about chasing the 2020 and more about understanding the habits and conditioning that affects our eyes and when you start changing the habits and patterns in the mental realm, it changes how you see things. That's where the, the visual system, so much of it is in the brain and not in the eyes. Okay, another question from Mark. Does my vision continue to change after cataract surgery? just like it does after getting stronger glasses. So if I get a single focus IOL, will my vision get worse again? Well, it kind of depends on your ability to sustain and keep your eyes in a healthy circulation, oxygenation, maybe doing color therapy, physical eye therapy exercises. If you do those things, then your eyes are gonna stabilize. And my experience is, is that they tend to stabilize more if you do some 
eye exercises and do a lot of the things that I'm saying. So let's move on. And here is the picture of the lens right here. And that's a, a healthy lens. And you can see that it's almost white. Now, this sentence is important. The lens is an avascular tissue. It relies on nutrient absorption indirectly. So therefore, we have to make sure that we are getting enough of the proper nutrients and making sure we're targeting it to the lens of the eye. So when light enters the eye, now this is somebody we're doing color therapy here. Again, here's the clear lens right here. This is where the floaters are. This is the vitreous gel. This is the optic nerve. If we can get more nutrients into the lens, it's gonna stay clear like it is here. Again, another picture of the lens. This is a clear lens. So by doing the protocols that I've laid out, you can start to discharge, to release, to get rid of the oxidative stress that has created the cataract in the first place. And we've talked about the cataract as an opacity. And this opacity is going to grow into something that creates a hazy, cloudy experience based on the location of the lens, where the cataract is, the density, the size. And again, for many of you, you went to a doctor and they diagnosed it. But for some of you, sometimes it's harder to read. Sometimes there's glare or reduced depth perception. But I want you to know that a cataract is less defined by age and more defined by its size and location as it's related to uh, poor oxygenation and hydration in the lens itself. Because the, the better the mitochondria are working in the lens, those are the energy producers, they produce the ATP, you have a better chance of getting rid of the oxidative stress that has accumulated. Now, we have talked about that surgery is an option, but you need to be careful. You need to ask the doctor, okay, in your procedure, am I going to get dry eyes? Is this going to affect my macula? Give me macular degeneration. How is my retina going to handle this? Will I get floaters? These are all things that, you know, in a small percentage of cases, people have this situation. Sometimes there's blurred vision, difficulty reading, especially if you're doing like multifocal lenses or, or monovision. Uh, another thing to consider is blue light exposure. I'm going to talk a little more about that in a minute. And what I'm saying is if you're farsighted before the surgery, you want to be farsighted after the surgery. If you're nearsighted before the surgery, stay nearsighted after the surgery. That's where the brain confusion comes in. Now, let's say you do my protocols and things keep getting worse and worse. 
and they start interfering with your daily activities, then it's time to consider surgery. So my challenge to you is to do these protocols for three months. And then if you're not getting improvement, you can start to think about the surgery. Be aware of things like smoking, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, blood sugar imbalances, steroid drug use, we talked about that, physical trauma, exposure to chemicals. These all play a role and what you eat has an effect on the lens health. Now I'm gonna share something else about the EMF and this is controversial. That if you wear a metal frame for glasses, that's gonna conduct the EMF much more than if you wear a plastic frame. So if you wear a metal frame, consider getting a plastic frame so that you're not conducting the EMFs into your eyes. Again, we've talked about the causes of cataracts. Steroids are a big cause. Not only do steroids cause cataracts, they also can cause glaucoma. It increases your um, eye pressure. Here are some other uh, drugs, and, and I think you have this handout. Even things like a lot of ibuprofen, if you're in a situation with inflammation and pain, uh, consider other things that you can you can do to um, you know to make this happen. So somebody is asking, do you have an article on the emotional part of seeing? So my suggestion would be to get my book, Creating Your Personal Vision. I talk a lot about in that book. Um, the psycho-emotional aspects of vision. All right, now the mechanism of the lens, as I said, it's transparent and it's a high water content. It's mixed of proteins. And when cataracts start to form, there's a consolidation of the proteins that uh, eventually create this opacity that's going to give you um, the cataract situation. And all it is, is oxidative stress that is creating this yellow or brown color in the lens itself. Okay, we've talked about glycation, sugar and cataracts. So if you're having a struggle with blood sugar levels, again, you're more susceptible to getting cataracts. So you need to be very careful about how the sugar molecule bonds with the protein molecule. And this leads to what we call a glycation process and creates kind of a cataract that is more in the cortical cataract family. I'm gonna show you the pictures again. So the nuclear cataract, again, that's the, the center part Okay, right here, so you can see it, that's, a, that's more in the front. The second is the cortical cat cataract, and that's around the edges. And that's what a, a cortical cataract looks like. And then the subcapsulary one is in the back of the eye. It's usually a little smaller. Um, you know, you could ask your doctor, um, and by the way, Mark, thanks for the uh, information on the intraocular lens and blue blocker. 
because you can get a blue blocker in an intraocular lens and you can ask your doctor for that if you need to. Okay. All right. We talked about the protocol for reversing cataracts, the 5% MSM, wait 10 seconds, add the oculomed. You want to do that three times a day for three months, three times a day for three months. Talked about how the MSM is really therapeutic in supporting collagen. And also it pushes the oculomed more deeply into the lens of the eye. So it's a win-win situation. So my eye vitamin, my goodness, FedEx delivered our vitamin to, to our fulfillment house. We have seen them receive it, but it is not up yet on the web store. So, but it has been received. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, very difficult these days with the way COVID has changed shipping and handling and freight. I don't like to blame it on COVID, but I've just seen over and over again, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of problems with shipping. But our fulfillment house has received the I vitamin. You can get that, the glutathione sublingual liposomal. Again, if you're having difficulty with that, contact us. Uh, you can get that through Designs for Health. They have excellent, excellent liposomal products, the vitamin C, the Inato, vitamin E liquid. You have talked about how vitamin, this type of vitamin E is more absorbable and it really targets lens health, retina health. The castor oil in the evening, that's another one that's very important. Physical eye therapy color therapy and our somatic eye therapy. So um, that's kind of what I would like you to do. And somebody's asking about physical eye therapy and somatic eye therapy. Well, we're gonna do a somatic eye therapy process in a few minutes. And so you'll know what that is and I'll talk when we're done with the slides, I'll talk about the physical eye therapy as well, what it is and how to do it. So thank you for the question. Okay, let's keep going. So there's this big rage out in the marketplace where you can get yellow and orange tinted glasses. And they are advertised as blue blockers you wear in the day and blue blockers you wear in the evening. Now on my web store, I've put together a number of articles and videos where I talk about the difference between the tint and something that I created about five years ago, which is called a filter. And let's go back here. When you wear an orange or yellow tint, what happens is, is that the pupil starts to dilate more. So in other words, when you're looking at your computer screen and you've got an orange or yellow tint, you want to minimize the pupil size because the pupil is the gatekeeper that allows light into the eyes and eventually into the body. And so if you're wearing a darker lens, it's gonna dilate the pupil more and it defeats the purpose. Now, yes, it does block some of the blue light, but some of it is also getting in. 
And in addition to that, the tint makes it dark enough that you may have difficulty actually seeing print, the size of the print. And also, in addition to that, um, you're getting an imbalance of light and color into the eyes. Now, we're working with color therapy. So we know that when we look at certain colors, it may set us off. And we look at other colors and they go, wow, these are really relaxing. Well, you don't want to induce more imbalances into your eyes by looking through an orange or yellow tint if you don't have to. So I would say, look for a blue filter, blue blocking filter. Now I have a great one. If you don't like mine, there are other companies out there. You can Google blue blocking filter, but the blue light definitely affects the lens of the eye, the macula and the retina. Blue light also affects our sleep, our mood and our vision. I would challenge you that Stop working on your screens one hour before you go to bed. And if you're going to be using screen time, especially after 6 p.m., do something to protect yourself against the blue light. And here's my last point. And you, are, you guys and gals are already attuned to this. But let's say you decide to do the cataract surgery and you get it done and the filter that's in the original lens, we all, all of our original lenses have the capability to block some of the blue light that is completely gone when you have cataract surgery, unless they put the blue blocker in the intraocular lens, which isn't done as a standard practice yet. When you get cataract surgery, if you don't protect yourself from the blue light, it could affect you negatively in say about a year. I, I, I see this with people who've had cataract surgery who come back and now they're dealing with macular degeneration. They're dealing with retina problems. They're dealing with glaucoma. So if you do decide to get the cataract surgery, you want to make sure to um, protect your eyes. And the blue light sources can be televisions, LED lights, all screens. Now, the sun also puts out a blue light. And that's okay. We can get a little bit of blue light, especially during the day. The issue really comes in when we start digest digesting or ingesting blue light after 6 p.m., what it does is it fools the pineal gland. It tricks the pineal to stop producing the sleep hormone melatonin. So it starts to affect our sleep. And on top of that, think about staring at your screen is similar to going to a tanning salon. Except in a tanning salon, you're only going to be in there for maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, but you're not going to be doing it for seven hours or five hours or two hours. Eventually you're going to get burned. And this is what the blue light is doing. It's a chaotic frequency, especially in the lower range 
about 395 to 400 nanometers to about 460 nanometers. In that range, that is the most chaotic blue light. Now, when you get higher than that, 470, 490, 500, that's the blue light that's therapeutic. That's the blue light you're looking through in the colored glasses. And that's the blue light that's relaxing, that, that creates the parasympathetic nervous system to activate. So there are different parts of the blue light that are healthy for you, and there are different parts that are damaging. So you have to know the difference. All right, I wanna do a physical eye therapy exercise right now. And we did this the other day, except I'm gonna add a different part of it. Now, remember when you are doing the dialogue, you're covering one eye, this is an opportunity for you to see what is behind the eye, what's the inner vision like, what are the causes that have created the physical eyes to let you down. So what I'd like to, you to do right now is take off your glasses. And if you have your contacts in, that's okay. But take your glasses off. You don't need to see me. I'll talk you through this. I want you to cover your left eye with your left hand. And just notice immediately how you see things and how it feels to you. And here's the question I want you to ask yourself today. You're covering your left eye. Right eye, do you know that you are connected and related to your liver? We know in Chinese medicine, the liver meridian sends its energy to the eyeball. Do you have a relationship with your liver? Do you know about it? All right, next question. Hi, right eye. What's your relationship to the lens of your eye? What's the relationship to your lens? See if you can connect to the lens. Maybe it's the eye that's got the cataract, maybe not. So if you do have the cataract in the right eye, I want you to ask the question, how is this cataract serving me? And if you don't have a cataract, say, well, how's the health of the the lens, uh, am I getting enough nutrients there? So you can kind of play with both sides. And then the last question is, right eye, right lens, what do you need to become clear? Is it glutathione? Is it vitamin C? Is it getting a new job? Is it healing my relationship with my Family, what, what, what is it? And just notice on a solar plexus level, on a heart level, how is your relationship to your lens? Do you even know you have a lens? Remember the right eye is Harry, Harry and Sally, and it's connected to your left brain. The right eye is connected to your left brain. So that's, your analytical side and so on. Okay, I want you to slowly take your hand away and I want you to notice how you see. Are things brighter or things wider? Notice how you feel. 
just take a moment, look around, move your head around, move your eyes around. All right, we're gonna go back now and we're gonna cover the right eye. So this is our physical eye therapy that somebody asked about. Cover the right eye. Now we've got the left eye by itself. We should ask the question, left eye, left eye, do you know you have a connection to your liver? How is that relationship? Maybe you don't know you have a liver. Maybe the liver is only working halfway. All right. After the liver question, let's talk to the lens. Left eye, are you connected to your lens? How has the cataract served you if you have a cataract? Are you able to let the cataract go or does it, does it help you? You know, what do you get from it? And if you don't have a cataract in the left eye, well, what do I need lens, left lens to maintain my health? Blue light protection, antioxidants. What is it? What's the lens need? Now you can slowly take your hand away from the right eye and notice how you see. Notice how it looks. Notice how you feel. Should be look brighter, clearer. So I want you to do this physical eye therapy exercise without your contacts, without your glasses. Now, if you want to amp it up, you can do this dialogue practice and use the opposite lens prescription. So if you're nearsighted, Get the farsighted lens and look through that. And if you're farsighted, look through the nearsighted lens while you're doing the dialogue. When you use the opposite lens prescription, it creates more possibilities. So somebody asked me, what is physical eye therapy? It's a re-education process, a reprogramming process of getting your eyes, your brain, and your body in sync. So any questions about your practice? You're gonna do all the nutrients I suggested. You're gonna do this eye dialogue practice, either with or without the opposite lens prescription. And I wanna bring this up. This is called the Vision Retreat Day. And I love this. This is really, really important. I want you to find a day when you can completely unplug from electronics for the entire day. And you're going to do this eye patch exercise. You might do the opposite lens prescription. I want you to spend time in nature and I want you to do the somatic eye practice that we're gonna do next. So you'll see that. And I want you to consider doing a cleanse or a fast during the vision retreat day. When you start doing things like the eye dialogue, wearing the opposite lens prescription, you are detoxing the energy coming out of your eye. Basically, a cataract is a toxicity. That's what it is. And you need to do a cleanse. You need to do a 
a release and reset so that you don't have to go through this surgical process. And this is what I really like about doing retreats. And, you know, not everybody likes this kind of contemplation or this level of responsibility of when you're on your own. You know, before COVID, every year I used to do, I used to both take retreats where I would just be a participant. And during the retreat, it would be a seven or eight day retreat. We would spend three days of that retreat in silence. And usually the retreats were in a very nature-based setting. We were the only people there. And it was so amazing to stop talking, to stop communicating with electronics. And going into silence is pretty challenging because at the very beginning, your mind is going to be going very, very quickly and probably a lot. And what you do with that is you can just write, write it down in the notebook. It's a way to discharge how busy the mind gets. In fact, the busier the mind, the more chaotic the mind, the busier and more chaotic the body and the eyes. So mind and eyes, very related. So in doing a retreat, it's a way for you to start to see some of the influences that maybe are taking you away from your health and wellness. And it's very difficult today to do self-care because when we do self-care, others may perceive it as we're being selfish, we're not thinking about other people. I mean, there's a variety of things that come up. But what I noticed about people who are healthy is that they are able to take some retreat time so that they can harvest their own energy and replenish and rejuvenate from all this fast-paced living that we're all doing. And I don't know about you, but I think things are going faster today than they were five years ago. And speed is one of the things that creates compression in the body. The faster we go, the more compressed we become. The more we grip, the more we tighten, tighten up. So this affects our circulation, our oxygenation, our immune system. It gives us more inflammation. Speed is related to inflammation. So taking a pause, taking a retreat, you know, maybe you live in a family, you've got children, you've got animals, you've got spouse. Maybe you need to get some help to come in so that you can go have a retreat for yourself. I think everybody could benefit from it. And, you know, you may get some heat from it. You may get some, some resistance from family and friends. But 
again, self-care is the way out of this. And the more we practice self-care, we become a role model for others to also practice self-care. And I think that's a way we're going to raise the, the health quotient in our society. But somebody's asking, both my eyes are near farsighted and astigmatic. Could I get a prescription for eye dialogue, opposite prescription. So there it's getting kind of complicated. I think what I would say in that is that, let's say for example, your right eye is nearsighted and your right eye is farsighted. I'm just, I don't know, but let's say there's a difference going on or there's a nearsighted problem at distance and a farsighted problem at near, I would tend to start more with the distance prescription and work with the opposite lens that way. And all we're trying to induce in the opposite lens prescription is for you to react to blur because we don't like blur. It's the signal that the eye doctor has said something is wrong. Well, not necessarily. That if we learn to embrace and go into our blur, we actually can get more clarity. It's part of that alchemical process that I keep talking about, that we want to offer things to our bodies that maybe in our consciousness, we're weak in that area. Maybe we're deficient in that area. So you need to feed that so that you can get a better balance. It's hard. Nobody wants to go into the uncomfortable because uncomfortable is like, whoa, I can't, I can't deal with this. But the more you go into the uncomfortable, that is going to expand your comfort zone. You know, another thing that I used to do is I would pick one or two subjects, things out there, and I would go take a seminar. I didn't know anybody. It might be in a place I never had been before. Um, and the idea is that by going into something new, that is a neuroplasticity practice. That's going to create new pathways. When you're nearsighted and you go to the doctor and he gives you a nearsighted lens, which clears up the eye chart, what I'm asking you to do in a therapeutic setting is to use an opposite lens, which is going to create a blur. Now you do this locked in your bedroom. And if you don't know what I mean by this, what I would say is go to my website and type in plus lens to blur or minus lens to blur and start watching my video blogs. And then you will start understanding the beauty and the technique of using an opposite lens to create clear eyesight. It's a very powerful tool of challenging the status quo. So here it is, I'm gonna give it to you. You can stay in the same track over and over again. That's called a closed system. Or you can challenge your status quo and that becomes an open system. 
And when you live in an open system, there's more creativity, there's more vitality, there's more innovation, and we're not just buying into the company line, the party line, I'm a certain age X, I need to get cataract surgery Y. That's a closed system. And what I propose is an open system so that you can play in your growing edge. What is your growing edge? I would like each of you tonight or tomorrow in your journal to write in what are three of my growing edges that I want to explore. I don't know, it's different for, for different people, but what are your growing edges? It may have nothing to do with this class, the eyes, cat, it may have nothing to do with that, but it has everything to do with it. So the vision retreat day is something I'd like you to put on the calendar. If you put in some silence during that day, that would be great. And now we're gonna move to the piece of the resistance, our somatic eye meditation. And I wanna talk about this for a minute before we do it. So some of you know, and some of you in this class have heard of something called continuum movement. And I talked about this the other day. And if you don't know what continuum movement is, and you want to learn about a visionary, innovative, somatic, body-centered practice, I would go to the continuummovement.com website. I would Google Emily Conrad, Continuum Movement, and watch some of her YouTube videos. And this somatic eye meditation comes from Continuum Movement. And what I keep telling everybody is that when we work with the eyes, we're working with the whole body, and we're working with the whole body, we're working with the eyes. And one of the ways to reduce cataracts, to be proactive in your eye health, is to do this practice. Now, in the continuum movement uh, protocol. What we do is we use sound as a way to open up the tissue in and around the eyes. And the eyelids are a major lymphatic immune system area. They're glands in these eyelids. This is a place that is highly susceptible to inflammation. And the more inflammation we have, the, the more our eyes are going to let us down. Okay. So let's go back. So in this practice, we're going to do this sitting up. Two things are going to happen. You're going to take a, a, a baseline of your eyesight clarity and your breathing baseline. Why? Well, on the eyesight clarity, we do it at the beginning and we do it at the end, you're gonna see how the, uh, the clarity improves 
as you do the practice. And in the breathing baseline, that's going to tell us how our nervous system is working. Shallow breathing, expanded breathing, good in inhalation, good exhalation. You know, we can take breathing to the next level. It's the birth, death, birth cycle. Inhalation is birth. Exhalation is death. Inhalation is birth. Exhalation is death. Another thing, in our health, on the cellular level, our breathing represents our ability to tell us about our resolution, how we resolve. And the exhale tells us how we dissolve. And it's very important. What, what I'm going to say here, this may be something that you're going to have to think about for a while. What's important about being able to go into dissolution, being able to go into a dissolved state? Because when we go into dissolution, we are letting go. We are, we are releasing the structure that we have held. And for most people, we are afraid to go into dissolution. Things fall apart. Things become chaotic. In quantum mechanics, that is a normal scientific rhythm where we have chaos and then we have resolution. But as the humanoid, we don't like dissolving. We don't like dissolution because it's the unknown, it's uncertain, what's going to happen. And yet, on a cellular level, in the respiration, dissolution is about detox. It's about letting go of the old. It's about not having to orient towards our history or our story. So instead of orienting towards, I have this condition, I've got this diagnosis, my mother beat me when I was a child. You know, that's we have that all up on our mantle. You know, you meet somebody and immediately they go into their trauma. Well, let me tell you about the time my father, blah, blah, blah. So the whole thing is our orientation is based on our past. And our vision is very tied into are we in the past or are we in the present? You know, a cataract is about being caught in the past. That's what it is. And when we learn to dissolve, become dissolute, our resolution becomes stronger, our vitality becomes better, our resiliency becomes much more, and this creates more thriving. This is why I like you to wear the opposite lens prescription because it forces you into dissolution. Notice when you put the opposite lens prescription on and you are presented with dissolution, that's what blur is, how much you hate it, how much it immediately brings up your trauma, how much it immediately puts you into a state of hypervigilance. And if you can soften the inhibitors around, can I just go with this dissolution? This, this I mean, we right now in our culture, we are in a big dissolution. This whole COVID thing, whatever is behind it, whatever is going on with the virus, whatever it is with the vaccine, the no vaccine, the polarities that are going on, 
what's really happening is there's a dissolution happening with how we perceive healthcare, our own health, and so on. And that's beautiful. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. We might lose friends and family because we're on one side of the fence and they're on the other. But if you can see it as an opportunity to learn about dissolution, about dissolving, some things we're done with in the cycle. Other things have a longer cycle. We then go into resolve, resolve, dissolve. And so in this breathing deal, we get to do it each moment, every time we inhale and every time we exhale. So the breathing, when we're doing this practice, it is going to improve our breathing range and our eyesight range. That's why doing it every day, your system, your organism will start to have a broader range in its function. So the two sounds we're going to do tonight to help us are the theta breath and the palm hum. And we're going to repeat those. And then we're going to do uh, a second uh, baseline of our eyesight and clarity. All right, I'm going to stop the screen. And I'm really, uh, I know I just gave you a, a, a big amount of information. You may need to listen to this a few times to understand what I'm saying, because this particular series of principles and concepts are, you know, they're kind of ahead of the curve. You're not going to get this you know, in your local doctor's office. So we're going to do this together and we're going to do it for about 15 minutes. And this is really important when I'm going to say the other day when we did this, people, some people freaked out. They got lost. Oh my God, where's the teacher? What's happening right now for the next 15 minutes is I'm going to step back from being the teacher and I'm going to be with you so that you get to be your own teacher. Now, I'm also going to be here if you want to write me in the chat. But um, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to guide you for a while, and then I'm going to let you go. So what I would like you to do is I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to take a baseline of your breathing. You're going to take about 15 seconds, I want you to be aware of just the rhythm of your breath. Inhale, exhale. Okay, now I want you to open your eyes and I want you to get a view out there of the um, eyesight, the clarity, just to get a baseline. Okay, so now I want you to watch me, what, what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the TH sound. So it's like a, a TH sound, and I'm going to have my eyes closed, and I'm going to go in this direction. So I'd like you to try that. Just try two of them. We were just, just going very slowly. You're pulling across the eyes with the eyes closed on the exhale while you're doing the TH. Okay, cool. Now, the second part of that 
is I want you to watch me. I'm going to be making circles from the center of my eyes, and I'm going to go all the way around and then coming back with the TH sound. So just watch what I do here. Very light touch, very like a feather. Now I'm going to go <clears throat> from the out all the way in. Okay, I'd like you to try that now. So <clears throat> your eyes are closed, very light touch. I want you to just do a little circle around your eyes, doing the TH sound. Okay. So that's the first part that we're going to do. <clears throat> we're gonna do the spread and we're gonna do the circles. Now the second part is the palm hum. So we can do this together, rub your hands together. Breathe in through the nose. When you exhale, make a humming sound. Be robust on the exhale. Again. And one more. Mm. And you can slowly drop your hands and you're going to go into something called open attention. You're just going to listen and feel and sense what's going on in your eyes, in your face. And for me, I feel pulsing in my head area, like in my brain. <clears throat> Okay, so you can open your eyes. So what I would like now is we're gonna do a little bit of a, a sequence and I'm gonna guide you. So you've taken a baseline of your eyesight and breathing. Let's do a round of thetas, three spreading out, so going this way, and then three going in an outer circle and three going in an inner circle. So let's do that right now. So you're gonna close your eyes. You're gonna place your hands lightly over your eyes. And I want you to slowly spread your hands away from each other while you're doing the thetas. Okay, now you're gonna do the circles. Very lightly tracing around your eyeballs. Okay, now you're gonna do three palm hums. So go ahead and rub your hands together. Breathe in on the exhale. I want you to do a humming sound. Keep your mouth closed. Okay, now I want you to keep your eyes closed and I want you to go into open attention. Okay, you can open your eyes and I want you to take a eyesight baseline. Now, how do you see things? How have things changed the way you're seeing? Just take a note of that. 
Okay, so if you want to in the chat, maybe say a word and how you're feeling, what you notice. Okay, so we have bright and clear, clear, want to sleep, no change in vision, but brain relaxed. My heart is beating more strongly. Felt increased blood flow in the eyes like waves, clearer vision. I love it. With eyes closed, a lot of light emanating. Pulsation in the periphery of the eyes and around the eyes. Deeper inhalations. Okay. So most of you are getting, I could read the commercials on the TV, which is on mute. Feel, feel a real sense of calm. I'm telling you this stuff works. Yes, exactly. Nearsightedness clear. Freer breathing and more peripheral vision. Excellent. Thank you. I feel the Lang Lang has increased my meditative state today. Yep. Wonderful. Okay. I want to thank you for sharing all that. Uh, I'm a real believer. Okay. Yeah, Hannah, thank you. Appreciate that. I know you have some, some uh, connection with Continuum. We have a, a Continuum uh, connection there. So thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming down towards the end. And I want to share a couple more things before we say goodnight. And that is this. The only way you're going to get the results that you're looking for is to commit in a process for the next month. I would like three months, but a month to do these things. You need to spend at least 15 minutes every day. I want that commitment. If you can make that commitment in doing all of these things, you will see improvement. And I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to be following you. So I want you to take advantage of this information. All right, somebody is asking, if most seeing is emotional, what is happening when things don't improve? It's a complicated question because it, it depends on what level or layer the resistance is on. And that's part of the alchemy of this. You know, notice I've given you things on a, a real physical level, on a science level, on an energetic level, on a psychological level. And I think you need to do it all so that you're able to find the buy-in. And when I say the buy-in, 
that we all have resistance to change. And many of these patterns we've had for a long time. And so sometimes if we hit the core too strongly, we recoil and our trauma comes up and we go, whoa, I don't think I want to do this. So I think the eye drops, the nutrients, the exercises, the color therapy, these are all things that are going to touch the different levels and layers. And it's really kind of a mystery. We don't always know what is the key that's going to unlock your healing mechanism. I think you need to be curious. I think it's going to be uh, an inquiry. All right, somebody is saying um, there are three types of outcomes that I have seen. The cataract gets better. The cataract has no change. The cataract gets wor worse. Roughly, what is the percentage breakdown you have seen with each type of income um, outcome? So number one, the cataract gets better, 75%. The cataract has no change, 20%. The cataract gets worse, 5%. That's what I've seen. So very small percentage that the cataract gets worse. And it's actually a win situation if it stays the same. Because if it stays the same, you are doing enough to keep it from progressing. Because if you didn't do anything, it's just going to progress. So you're talking about a very high percentage that it gets better or there's no change. And if you do these practices, you will start to see what you're seeing right now. You do this for a few minutes, clearer, brighter, you know, better circulation. It's obvious. If you do it, you're tapping into a very um, deep healing mechanism in your body. So I think the best thing to do at this point is let's do the program and uh, email me, keep in touch with me, let me know how you're doing. And um, my apologies for the slowness of getting uh, the the handouts and the videos to you. It's a, quite a job to get these up on YouTube. And uh, we're putting them on a private channel so that the public can't see it. And, um, but I just got a text from Alexa. She's working on it now. Also, my apologies on the I vitamin getting out of uh, being out of stock. Um, again, it should be back. Uh, Tomorrow, we don't know, but the, the Fulfillment House has received it. Yes, yeah, so the question is, do you have the exercises separately? Well, I think because you've got the, the videos, the, there's handouts. You know, one of the best ways that I learn is I go on the videos and I watch them several times and I take the notes that I need. And I, have, I focus on the things that I'm most attracted to, and that's how I do it. Just a note, 
I am going to be teaching two classes. These are one day classes. One is going to be level one is going to be uh, October 9th, and it's on vision and neuroplasticity. And then the level two is going to be Saturday, November 13th. So it is up on my website. For many of you, that will be a continuation of what you got here, except we're going to be talking more uh, globally about how to create more pathways in the brain and how they access your, um, your eyes. So the cataract protocol will be on the PowerPoint slides. It'll be in a PDF and uh, you will have it written out there. So it will be there in the handout. One other note I'm going to make is that I've just agreed to host in 2022, January 14th, 15th and 16th, the second annual Vision and Health Summit. And we did this last January. And I don't know if anybody was on the summit, but I invited some cutting edge speakers and we had a fabulous time. It was really great. So I've agreed to do it again. I'll host it, organizing it. So watch for the information. January 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2022. I'm going to be inviting some speakers in the area of health and wellness, uh, a little bit outside the scope of eyes and vision, but we'll also be in eyes and vision also. And uh, you'll meet some very interesting people and get some great information. So I think we're coming down to the end. And one of the ways... I would like to end this is this way. We're going to end it with a short meditation. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to lead you in a color therapy meditation. And we're going to go through all the colors of the spectrum, but we're going to start with violet and we're going to end with red. And I'm going to guide you through this. And when I get to red, we'll sign off. All right. So what I want you to do is close your eyes right now. And I want you to think about the color violet, some level of violet or purple, the violet flame, the violet color. So just hold that in your mind's eye. You could pretend like you're in a dome and the whole dome, the color dome is violet. Okay, now I want you to move to the color blue, really dark blue, beautiful blue. See that in your mind's eye. And now see yourself in a turquoise, a blue green. Turquoise color in your, in your mind's eye. Just notice the blue-green combination. And then the green. I want you to think about green. And then I want you to think about yellow. Bright yellow, really bright. 
strong, vibrant, yellow, bright yellow, like the sun. And now the orange. Maybe this is the sun getting ready to set over the Pacific Ocean. That orange color. And finally, red, really deep red. This is how that feels in your body, maybe your heart, the red, the blood, the vibrancy, the root chakra. Okay, everybody, I wish you good night, good luck, and look forward to seeing you again. Take care. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.